Welcome to Fireside Knicks. My name is Alex with my co-host here, Brett Hanfling. And coming off a disappointing loss of the Orlando Magic, and I gotta say, it is disappointing. I was frustrated after the game, watching the starting team once again falter and you know fail to score points. Julius Randle doesn't look like himself. RJ Barrett doesn't look like himself. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier combined for 10 points. Utterly useless if they're not producing on offense. And we want to talk about this. You know, what is going on with the Knicks right now? What is their problem? And there's there's a couple layers here that involve Tom Thibodeau, that involve, you know, the, the starters and really what the problem is, the fluidity and chemistry issues. Before we do so, Brett, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. Overall, myself, Knicks world, I'm a little frustrated. Um, you know, the Knicks go down 104-98 to Orlando Magic. It is their second loss to the Magic this year, both at the Garden. The Magic have four wins this year. Two of them are versus the Knicks, and two of them are at the Garden. Um, you know, you know they have some young talent. I said this last time, but overall, they're still not a good team. Um, it's frustrating. You know, the Knicks were, well, were eight and seven. Um, we're above five hundred, but you know, the last five or six games, you know, we pulled off the Indiana game, but we just not looking like a great team. And like you said, the starters are getting us down, and it's like a, a, a recurring dream. The same exact, almost the same exact thing has happened in the second half with the bench leading us back. Now, the, the you know a couple of them we won, a couple of them we lost, but that third quarter um, drought into the comeback has happened every game. Um, so, you know, I don't even, like, know exactly what we're doing wrong, but it's pretty obvious that we're not playing great ball. Yeah, uh, that is pretty evident, I would agree. And I want to start off talking about the point guards, right? That's, that's where I think, first and foremost, we got to start hitting on the point guards. And it ranges from... Really, it doesn't range from it is Kemba Walker. He is a problem right now. He's a massive vulnerability when he's not scoring. He basically is non-existent as a defender. We Everybody knows this. That has been the case his whole career. He is not a good defender. And he continues to show that. And when he's not scoring, like I said, he combined for 10 points with Evan Forney yesterday against, Orlan- uh, yeah, against Orlando. That is unacceptable. Orlando, as you said, is one of the worst teams in the league. Two of their wins are against the Knicks at the guard. The Knicks are now 3-5 and five at home. Kemba Walker needs to be absolutely crushing teams like Orlando like he has in the past. I don't know what's going on with him, and I don't necessarily think it's him um, individually. I think it's a team effort that they're kind of sucking. Um, but I will say this. Yep. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Just to jump in with the Kemba thing. Like, he's only going to be a plus starter, a valuable starter, if he's, if he's knocking down threes. His... Like, you know, I want him to get to the hole a little bit more. I want him to be a little better facilitator. But if he's not not knocking down threes at a high clip, he's just not going to be, you know, a plus player. And um, I still think he can, but he hasn't been the last, you know, week or two. And that, that's exactly right. And what I think is happening here is that he has almost what it seems to me personally that he has no chemistry with Julius Randle, right? He has no chemistry with Mitchell Robinson. The, the pick and roll is non-existent. He is not driving to the rim. He is a pure shooter at this point in his career, it seems. Um, and I, and I kind of feel as though you're right. You know, if he's not knocking down shots at an efficient rate, he is useless. He is legitimately useless. He does not play defense. He can't, he can't drive. He has no power. Um, he is useless if he's not shooting well. So where does that lead us? It leads us to Tom Thibodeau being forced into making changes because, as you said earlier, the Knicks are finding themselves in massive deficits by the third quarter. You know, they're starting out really slow. They're in 20, 15, 20-point deficits by the time the, the second quarter comes around at times, mainly because the starters are really inefficient. And they need good point guard play. And now we're looking at, like, okay, 
Alfred Payton sucked last year, but he was a good defender. And that's what the Knicks' identity was, right? They would just hold teams. They would, they would stay within five points of teams and run the offense through a player like Julius Randle. And now what we're seeing is this entire starting unit lacks chemistry, lacks fluidity. Evan Fournier, he's another guy, awful defender. Like, watching him play defense makes me want to hurl. It makes me want to jump off my 10th floor, 10th floor story. Like, I don't understand, well, you know, how he could be so bad at defense. And, and the problem is his offense – He's not shooting well. He's coming up short. Half of his shots at the front of the rim yesterday. He's running in circles. You know what I mean? All I want him to do is post up in the corner sometimes, stand there and wait for Julius Randle to back someone down in isolation, draw in a double team, and then kick that out to the corner for for him to get a clean shot. Instead, Evan Fournier thinks he's running freaking track, and he's running in circles around the, around the court, and I don't understand what he's doing because he's trying to create, but that's not his job. His job is to come here and shoot. 40% or better from three-point, create some opportunities every now and then when he has a free driving lane, drive the baseline, but he simply is not like doing what he should be doing. He's just running in circles and nobody knows where he's going to be, which is creating massive chemistry and fluidity issues because nobody knows, you know, oh, we need him in the corner. Oh, actually, he's behind me now. Oh, he's running over there now. He's just like, he's running, he's like a chicken with his head cut off. I don't understand yeah. what the hell he's doing. Yeah, Fournier, Fournier is definitely a little out of sorts. Um, I hear what you're saying. He's... Should be a knockdown shooter. He's not shooting well recently, but I'm still confident in his shooting ability, especially after I was at the home opener versus Boston. After seeing him that game, like I still have that in my mind. Listen, he's not going to be a 30 point scorer, but I agree. If he get in more spot up, uh, you know, spot up spots um, and hit shots, that will break. That will help his creativity a little bit because then he can start pumping and get into the hoop a little bit. Um, and you know, when he's having a good game, like the first game. He can, you know, we will look to him at the end a little to be that creator if it's his game um, to put him in a little bit of pick and roll. But I agree. He's just out of sorts, um, you know, and it hasn't helped that the bench has been the ones playing well in the second half. And then he's been sitting on the he's been sitting on the bench, which he should um, when the bench is playing that well. But it just it's been sort of a snowball effect of bad shooting and then less minutes. And um, he's not helping us out right now. Yeah, and you know what happened yesterday, which is why a big reason we lost to Orlando. The starters, we know, played poorly. But what Tom Thibodeau is being forced into making combination changes, right? He's He started to play Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barry, and Randall together. He's starting to mess with the second team, which was the only reason the Knicks were even getting close to winning games or winning any games. The Pacers game, talking about, like, you know, the second team won that game for them. Emmanuel quickly, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, those guys contributed heavily. Um, Derek Rose, obviously. So when you start to mess with that second team, the only thing keeping your team afloat you're going to start to lose games against bad teams. And then we saw that against Orlando. Tom Thibodeau has to let that offense, uh, that starting team, just sit and figure it out themselves. Changing combinations isn't going to solve this equation. I'm going to push back just a little. On I hear you. but Yeah, push back. So bench, I'm ready. <laughs> the bench is playing good, but the starters are not. Now, like some people want to change the starting lineup. That means you're changing the bench. I, I like to keep the starting lineup. I'd like to mostly keep the bench, but I'm okay with sort of mixing it in the second half. So yesterday, uh, Tibbs went with quickly, Toppin, and Burks from the second line, but he mixed RJ and Mitch with it. And I actually like that. Um, usually I like Taj with that lineup because he has the energy and, and they play a lot together. But I sort of thought he found a good mixture, and that's when we had the comeback. And then he took Obi out, which I'm okay with. I saw people on Twitter saying he took Obi out the wrong time. Obi played a great game. It was actually one of the best games of his career. He had a, uh, 14 points to tie his career high. He had two monster threes. Um, but then he got, a, he, you know, he started pressing a little bit. He had a, a bad take to the hoop. 
Um, he had a couple turnovers. I was okay taking Obi out. But just back to that rotation thing, I'm sort of okay um, just tinkering a little because I like to mostly keep the bench together. Um, but sometimes you, you find the right fit when you tinker a little bit. You do. You can find a good combination, but I, I just don't think um, – like you're, you're, you're kind of hitting the reset button when you do that, right? When you're trying new combinations, trying to figure out solutions and whatnot – they're they're not all the time they're going to hit because you're you're starting to mess with uh the the chemistry they've already developed right so like we know the the Emmanuel quickly and Derrick Rose combination is really good we know that they play really well together and they started to mix you know guys in and take guys out and i think that Emmanuel quickly doesn't necessarily know how to play with Julius Randle that well just yet they don't play together that that much um and i think that Randle and RJ Barrett one of their biggest weaknesses they like refuse to attack the rim with their right hand I don't know what is going on with them, but they just, they're forcing that left hand. They're forcing that left hand. The step back jumpers from Julius Randle, I mean, they hit, they, they, uh, they miss more often than not. I mean, he hits a couple of them. And you're like, oh, that was a nice shot, but like they're just bad shots. And Evan Fournier, you know, going back to him just for a split second, whenever I see him shoot a three, he's always in motion, running, and then pulling up. He's never with a strong base, pulling up and going through his motion. He's always leaning forward. He's one foot leaning forward. He's, he's, you know, all off balance, and he's missing shots because of that he needs to just find a spot on the on the floor, post up in the corner like Obi Toppin does in that corner. RJ Barrett did. RJ Barrett's not finding that corner very often anymore. Last year, he would just sit in that corner, wait for Julius Randle to, to drive the rim, to drive the to the rim, and then kick it out to the corners. I don't know what the offense is doing, but they're completely forgetting how they have made their living in the past. You know, RJ Barrett killed it from that corner spot. He's not really doing that well. His three point percentage is plummeting. He was zero for seven yesterday. Yeah, so I, I looked at RJ's game log. RJ is struggling. He hasn't had a game shooting above 50% since November 1st uh, versus Toronto. Now, like, I, I sort of do this every week, but some of them are good shots. He was 0 for 7 for 3 yesterday, which is really bad. Were most of them good shots? I think so. Um, so it's a fine line of, of, of how do you want him to tinker and how do you want him to – to I I don't know to to play better to score more efficiently. Are you saying go to the hoop more? Are you saying use the right? Like I don't know. I, I like R.J. Barrett should not go zero for seven for three. His form is good. You know his stroke looks good. He's confident. I, I don't know what to say about that. I think he's see the thing is I don't think he's altogether that confident. I think that he's a streaky player, right? He's in his own head. I think that um, when he's missing shots. He, he completely falls apart, but when he's hitting shots, he plays, you know, he starts to, you know, build some momentum. I think right now he's kind of dealing with a bit of, you know, inconsistency and, and that's just, you, you can't have it, man. Like at this point in his career, at this point in the season, the entire starting team is inconsistent. Like the only one that I actually think has been rather consistent is Mitchell Robinson. And then again, his injuries have kind of like hurt him at times. He's missed a couple, he's missed a game or two. He's been taken out early. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's a part where, um, you know, he's okay, but Kemba Walker has been a liability. Evan Forney has been a liability. RJ Barrett is so inconsistent. You don't know which version of him you're going to get. Julius Randle, um, he doesn't look like the same. He does not, he's not playing the bully ball we're used to him playing though. You know, RJ, Bar I mean, Randle last year, he would take that ball to the rim with so much power and force and he would, he would bank that thing. And he was doing such a good job doing that. And it would create opportunities for others because he would dominate in the interior and then he could kick it out to the corners. But right now they're all just running in circles and he has no one to kick it out to the corners too. There's no like, 
there's no consistency with their movements. The ball, the, there's no ball movement. They nobody knows where each other's going to be. Everyone's trying to create. No one's trying to just be a compliment. And I think when you have too many people trying to do the same thing and be overly aggressive, it creates chemistry issues. And I think that's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, I mean, one of the weirdest stats from last night was Julius Randle took 11 shots and 10 of them were three-pointers. Um, that's weird. Um, he was a good three-point shooter last year, probably shot the highest he'll ever shoot for three-point. He was 41% last year. Um, he, you know, for the rest of his career, he probably evens out somewhere in the high 30s, which is good. But, you know, it, it's sort of a balance because Nick fans get upset when he's doing too much one-on-one, when he's doing turnovers. But at the same time, I don't want him to shoot 10 of his 11 shots from three. Um, so, you know, Randall is, is sort of out of sorts. RJ is out of sorts. Like you said, the starting lineup is out of sorts. And, you know, Julius will likely not be an all-NBA player. He won't. I'll say it. He won't be an all-NBA player again. Last season, he was incredible. Can he be a, 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 the best player on a top four seed? Yeah, I think so, if everyone else contributes. He's not going to be, you know, the hero that he was last year. Um, but we do need him to play better at the same time. I mean, that, look, if he's not playing well, it's it's kind of a crapshoot. Julius Randle has to be the all-star. He has to be the leader on that on that offense, and everybody needs to know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think – I think everybody just like – like if he's not playing well, everyone tries to take it upon themselves, and then it just gets a big – it's just a mesh. It's just a freaking – it's a monster mesh. And then, you know, I think Julius Randle needs to be the guy that says, I'm the one that's going to lead this team. I'm going to put the energy in. I'm going to put the effort in. I'm going to show you that I'm exerting maximum energy. And I think everybody will fall into place and they'll play compliment basketball. But right now, it just seems like everybody wants to be the hero. Everybody wants to be the star. RJ Barrett launching that three-pointer up in somebody with somebody in his face with seconds left last night was just a terrible, terrible decision. I don't understand what he was thinking. Like There, there are scenarios where this team, everybody wants to be the hero, but they need to just you know, pass the ball efficiently, drive the drive to the hoop, get to the corners, kick it out, get open shots. They're not playing team basketball. They're playing um, for themselves. And I think that the second team is the exact opposite of that. They're playing for one another. They're playing off each other. They're passing the ball. Emmanuel quickly's driving the rim. Obi Toppy's driving that baseline for those awesome dunks. They're playing cohesive, chemistry-oriented basketball, and that's why they're playing at a far uh, better level. Honestly, if I was Tom Thibodeau, I'd say if you guys, you know, you starters, you're not playing well. Let's see how you like being the second team. And I'd literally take the first team. I'd start them. I'd that take the second something. team. I would start them. And I would take. I'd say the first team. I was like, until you guys are playing at the level that we are paying you and expect you to play, you're professionals. You have to understand that. You guys are going to be the second team. Like someone's got to give them a wake-up call. Because it seems like everybody, they all are so egotistical. It seems like they're all playing for themselves and not one another. And I feel like someone's got to punch them in the mouth. And it's got to be Tom Thibodeau and says, you're not, you're not, you know, you're not dispensable. You're not indispensable. Like, we can replace right. you. Right. So I think that's a good way to do it. A little shock therapy. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be wild. That would set Twitter on fire. That would be fun. I don't see it happening, but um, that would be crazy. But we have a, a good team to sort of bounce back against. We're playing Houston on Saturday, right? Um, yeah, we're playing Houston on Saturday. A couple They're, days they, off. They have one win. Um, you know, hopefully we get back on track. That Listen, if we lose that game – and go back to 500, you know, the sky will be falling, at least online. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, that's that's a good scenario. If we lose to Houston, hit the panic button and start to uh, reverse, you know, <laughs> reverse those second and first teams and get some energy on there because we got to start games faster. We're just not starting games well. So, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode, you know, breaking down some uh, 
some Knicks basketball that's lost and whatnot. Definitely a lot to discuss, but you know, it, it's it, basketball is one of those things where like one day is different than the other. It's just always constantly changing and momentum is shifting. And suddenly Kemba Walker has a 30 point performance and the offense looks awesome. Um, but you know, I'll tell you what, getting, giving up 104 points to the magic is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. There is no, no justification uh, for the lack of effort, hustle. And you know, just before we go, one thing I did notice from the starting team, every time somebody would shoot a three-pointer, they would all start falling back. None of them were crashing the yeah. boards. None of them were crashing to find to get an offensive rebound. And there were like four or five times last game where I saw, that's the difference between winning and losing, where I saw the ball bounce off the rim five or six feet back toward the three-point line where they had an opportunity to grab it and Julius Randle shooting it and, and backpedaling or Evan Fournier shooting it and running away like he's doing they just crashed the boards. Obi Toppin had an opportunity. He crashed the boards. He got yeah, it. He slammed it down for a dunk. That's what I'm saying. Lack of effort. Lack of hustle. That is inexcusable for guys being paid that much money to do their job. You know what I mean? Inexcusable for lack of effort. I, I cannot even begin to tell you how angry that makes me to watch them do that. So um, I think that's a big point. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe below on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube as always, my friends. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Knicks.